What's up, guys? Welcome to The Strength Connection. I'm Michael Kurkowski, and I'm here to connect you with the top minds in the world of strength to share stories, insights, and experiences to help you become stronger every day. Now, for a time, you can grab a free copy of the One Day Strength Challenge. This is the playbook that incorporates proven strength aerobics training along with the skill of intuition to help you create, design, and achieve your perfect training plan that fits around your busy schedule. Just go to www.thebreakthroughsecrets.com to grab your free copy today. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and leave an awesome review. It does so much in helping spread the message of strength and we greatly appreciate your support. You guys are awesome. So today I have Danny Sawaya, Strong First team leader and owner operator of Tucson Strength and Tucson Barbell Club on the show. Danny's been in the coaching world for over 20 years. He is an OG in regards to the training I've known from RKC and Strong First. We were chatting quite a bit before we even recorded about the old-time certifications that we did back in the day, CKFMS, RKC1, all those fun times. And I reached out to Danny because I knew he had an interesting story in transitioning his gym during COVID, essentially taking his whole gym outside during the pandemic to stay open and help his members stay strong and healthy during these tough times. And also really still being able to employ his big staff of coaches at the same time. It's incredibly inspiring to hear Danny's story and how he persevered through these times of adversity and how he really got into the world of strength when he left the high paying sales job to full towels at a local gym, knowing in his gut that it was the right thing to do for him and for his family. And what Danny's built in Tucson, it's an incredible story, and it was an absolute blast to chat with him. You can check out more of his content on Instagram and Facebook at Tucson Strength. And without further ado, let's get on with the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys, and I will see you on the inside. What's up, Danny? How are you, man? I'm great. Great. Yeah, well. th thanks for doing this, man. I'm excited to I'm meet excited. you. My pleasure. Yeah, as we were just saying off uh, off camera here, um, you've been around this world of strong first kettlebell training for a long time, and I I thought I was you know an an older school guy of doing it in 2010. You even beat me. You've been in this world since what 2009? You said. Yeah, I think kettlebell I got certified. Or? I started doing it in 2008 is when I was really getting into it. In 2007, and then 2009, I finally got certified. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. and I first I remember seeing your gym because I think. Pavel recorded like a bunch of short clip videos that they threw up on YouTube, which consumed a lot of, and you saw the big Tucson strength right in the background yeah. of that. So I, I don't know which side, uh, which event that was, but I think that was one of those big launching points for the whole strong first community of yeah, seeing your logo yeah. in the back. Yeah, that was our first, they did the first body weight cert and no, they did the second body weight cert, I think. I don't remember. They did one of the first body weight certs, and I think the first barbell cert, strong first barbell oh, cert, wow. first opened up. So I think they did the first kettlebell cert over at like Mike Perry's gym, and then they did the next two certs at my gym. And when it was much smaller, there was my my smaller location than I have now, mm -hmm. and we we fit like tons of people in there and closed the gym down for a few days. It was a blast. Oh, that's great, man. Well, I mean, you've really been kind of at the beginning of the inception of a lot of the stuff of you know what I've seen through strong first and stuff. So yeah, man, I appreciate you taking the time here. So yeah, for anybody kind of first time guests, I always like to kick this off with a little bit of the origin story. You know, I know you've been in this world for, you know, about 20 years or so plus. So um, you can give a little kind of breakdown of how you found yourself in this world of strength and conditioning. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, I was just a kid who played sports actually pretty poorly. I mean, I was a mediocre athlete, but I was always in a sport and I loved it. And I would see moderate success, was never a top-line athlete. Uh, 
and just stayed working out through all these years. I never really stopped. I just found myself in the gym after high school and never really stopped, maybe for a couple times here and there. Uh, and went to college and got a degree in uh, nutrition. I had no clue what I wanted to do. Took a nutrition class and a physiology class, fell in love with it, and just started studying and found myself being a, barely a C student to being an A student because I loved what I was studying. Mm-hmm. And went on to work on a PhD for a little bit. Realized about two years into a PhD, it wasn't for me. So uh, tried some different things for about a year, got out of the field for a year back in like, you know, 1999 or 2000. And then uh, got a job at a gym folding towels, man. Like okay. people, are, man, you, I had a high paying job for a little bit before that, with a big sales company, quit. And then I, you know, I almost had a PhD and I'm folding towels, eight bucks an hour, uh, you know, at a gym. And everyone's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just, I was miserable and I loved working out. I loved nutrition. I loved all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I found a job at the local gym, uh, just folding towels. And next thing you know, I was trained. I got certified, became a trainer back in 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, never really stopped. Just kind of kept training people, moving up, doing different things, moved around the country a little bit, training people, uh, ran a personal training school for a little bit. And then uh, just found myself like just, wanting to help people get stronger and stumbled across Pavel and those guys, you know, almost 13, 12, 13 years ago and kind of changed my trajectory and my mindset of, of training. Mm-hmm. And I uh, decided to open up my own little studio back in 2010. It was just a little kettlebell gym. We had probably, you know, a couple thousand dollars of old RKC kettlebells mm-hmm. and a couple barbells, pull up bar and a couple rowers. And that there was you it. Go. <laughs> that was it. it I, I, you know, yeah. So that was it. I borrowed a few thousand bucks from my family to start this little spot, and it's turned into something bigger than I ever imagined uh, where we're at today. So it's been a been a big journey, uh, in, you know, just in loving strength training and what it does for people. How nerve wracking was it to kind of leave that job and go into kind of just the folding towels? Did you just feel like this is what I need to do? Like this is my yeah, destiny? It, it was fine. I mean, I. I loved it. I was actually really happy at the time. You hear about all that. And like, I was actually at a really down point. I kind of, you know, I quit, quit a job that was paying me a lot of money in sales in, in Silicon Valley. And, um, but it was like renewed with the whole fresh thing of starting over something new. And I was having fun. You know, I didn't have a lot of money, but I was having fun. And I'll tell you, every time I've made a big jump like that, I've found to have, I guess I'm one of those guys that likes risk and likes change a little bit because the whole time I was just, having a good time and everything just kind of took off from there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I've been really grateful since, since yeah. I started this journey. Well, it's something to be said too about feeling that energy, you know, change when you feel the positive energy in one place. I, I kind of had a similar story. I was in a position just working in restaurants, making decent money and had an opportunity to go into management in the restaurant. But I was like, I can't see myself going into restaurant business for the rest of my life. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was at the gym. I was working out and I felt great. And I ended up actually folding towels at the front desk, right. leaving my other job and going full time. And remember my parents were like, are you sure? Like, are you making any money? I'm like, no, not at all, but I'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> but just being in the different environment of just, um, we're like, all right, I'll figure this out, but I want it to be kind of happy. So kind of, it's kind of like that same thing. And then just things kind of just transpire from there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been my biggest thing. Following my gut is always 
when I listen to it, I know it's right. When I'm going against it, I know it's wrong. And that's how I've grown my business over all these years is, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of getting a hunch on something and just jumping into it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's been a big part of my story. So how, so you about 2001 uh, or two or so, and then how is it you found kind of the world of, of Pavel and, and kettlebell training? Well, you know, I got to this point where I was just, a, you know, a gym trainer, you know, at a big box gyms and doing the machine work and teaching people basic fundamentals of just, whatever I was teaching them at the time. I look back now and it's kind of funny, but you know, I was a decent trainer that made a decent living at some of the big box gyms. And I was just bored though. I mean, I was like, okay, did the same thing for years. I'd learned a couple things, but wasn't really like involved in continuing education. I was kind of like just in this weird world of like being a trainer, but slowly realizing if I'm going to stay in this field. Like I need to learn some stuff, but didn't know what I wanted to do. And, uh, I started studying more, uh, became an instructor at a school that taught trainers, which started getting me to dig deeper into other things. And actually, one of my students brought a kettlebell to school one day. He goes, you should try this. And I literally laughed at him. And I said, that's a gimmick, man. I said, I, I have dumbbells here. I don't need that. <laughs> he, was, he had done a workshop with uh, Steve Potter at the time and learned some different things. And I was like, eh, not really interested. And then... I saw him doing some stuff and he taught me a, a basic swing with a 26 pound kettlebell and I was a pretty strong guy and it kicked my behind and that's, you know, <laughs> I, just, I went down the rabbit hole of watching videos and found a gym in town that was kind of on that path and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I just got sucked in. I finally found a new life in my, in my training. You know what I mean? Um, I found a, a new life in my training, which was, mm-hmm. was huge. So I needed that. Okay. It's always so fascinating to see people like yourself who've been in this world now for so long, but everybody comes from that humble beginning of not knowing it before. I remember when I talked with Hector Gutierrez a little while ago and he was calling it kettleball just like most of the world still does. And it's like me knowing from Hector of his strongest heck program and all the things that he's done. It's like, yeah, no, everybody comes from not knowing anything about this world till eventually finding, you know, the system of what we do from there. So so after, after getting into that, is that when you opened up your, your own facility? Yeah, I was working for a gym at the time who actually was a little ahead of the curve with kettlebells. They encouraged me to help pay for my certification. They were into CrossFit, and then they were into kettlebells. They were into everything. And uh, I did that with them for a little bit. And then what really changed for me is I went to the – back in the day, they had the CKFMS with Bray Cook, mm-hmm. and Brett Jones was teaching it. And it just opened up my eyes even more, like – Man, people are moving. I had a history of back pain. Um, I almost had to drop out of my first kettlebell cert because my back was messed up. Oh, wow. I found kettlebells actually helped my back. But doing the CKFMS, man, it was like a game changer. I learned about corrective exercise and how we can help people. Because back then, if someone didn't know what to do or was hurting, I would say, okay, let's take today off. or Let's work upper body. or Let's work lower body, work around stuff. But I didn't know how to like figure things out for them, except maybe refer them out to a physical therapist or a doctor at the time. And I still did that, but the FMS showed me like, hey, someone has an issue, you know, maybe we should look at it a little differently so they don't get hurt. And I came back so fired up from the FMS and told the new bosses at the, the gym that I was managing, this is, this is the game, this is the deal right here. And we need to have like these programs where we can teach people mobility and stability and screen people. And they were just not having it at all. They just didn't see it. Really? I, yeah, they were like, Eh, you know, they're like, people don't come to us for that. And they were really hesitant. And uh, 
couple other things happened with them that um, I was working a lot of hours managing a bunch of their locations and uh, they started cutting my bonuses and pay and I had a new baby at home. And uh, I realized, well, how am I supposed to do things for my kid when you know, I'm, I'm barely making any money now and I'm working 70 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So I decided at that point I was going to just start a little spot and just train people out of a little hole in the wall and uh, figured I could make just more money just mm -hmm. doing my own thing. And right. it started with that. I, rented, I actually started in a park with some kettlebells and then rented a little thousand square foot hole in the wall yeah. and just bought some equipment and just trained people out of there. And next thing you know, it turned from that thousand square foot spot to almost 15,000 square wow. feet. Wow. I was going to say that the, the pictures of, of Tucson strength over there are absolutely amazing. Like you got a great facility over there. So going back to CKFMS, that was, that was one of the biggest workshops I remember as well. I think I did that in 2011. And I remember that so deep because I came from an FMS background. That's kind of how I got into that world of knowing right. Brett and, you know, talk about your 26 pound, you know, kettlebell adventure. When somebody just introduced it, I had Brett with like a 25 pound kettlebell changed my swing up in seven minutes and had me smoked. Like I actually had to go to the bathroom beforehand before we could start the FMS level two workshop. Okay. But I remember going into CKFMS and that was still one 10 years, you know, 10 years later that was still talking about, I've got so much because that was like a four day, like deep dive event into right. work with all kettlebell instructors by like the third day you felt drunk from all right. the information that Gray and Brett were just dishing out there. That was amazing. Yeah, that was cool. I mean, that's back when Gray used to still teach all those. I'll never forget. I pulled Gray aside, asked him a question, and he's just like sitting down with me, just pumped up about movement and just really helped me out. It was just so cool to have that, you know, relationship to, in that closeness to the, the subject expert of it at mm -hmm. the time. It, it was a game changer for me. You know, I don't um, use the FMS as much anymore mm -hmm. as per se, but that foundational knowledge that the FMS gave me formed me in terms of looking at movement and, and understanding what I'm looking for. And I'm seeing things like that foundational knowledge that it gave me mm -hmm. was, you know, something that I'll never, you know, it's, it's my foundation of everything I do. I, you know, I've done with my clients. Right. I think, yeah, I think that's where the FMS, like if you understand the screening process of knowing how the body moves, then it's like, it's great to go through the full screen. But if you just get that foundational level, I mean, everybody can do that. I loved it because I worked with a lot of seniors at the first place that I worked at, where all of a sudden, like everybody can understand how to lift a leg or to do a shoulder mobility test or get some core strength and see the benefits from there. So a lot of times I think, especially you know, in our world, when trainers just get into the world, we will think about athletes, we think about like aggressive strength, but in reality, just the general population of understanding how to move a little bit better, that's going to give them such benefits for the long run. Right. Yeah. So you started with a thousand square feet and then built up to 15,000 square feet. I'm assuming there was some steps in that process. Did you go to a middle facility and then kind of kept growing from there? Yeah. Our first location was about well, it was a little over a thousand. They had some storage and some bathrooms and an office, but the gym floor was a thousand square feet. Um, yeah. And you know, it was weird. I don't know how it grew because, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing as much. I, you know, I, I know now, but we just, you know, back then it was like big box gyms and CrossFit and the people didn't want big box gym and they didn't want CrossFit. They found us and we just started growing. Uh, and all of a sudden, I had a coach that I had hired to help me out. The guy who actually taught me about kettlebells, he had an Olympic lifting background. 
So we started doing this late night Olympic lifting class when the gym was almost closed. And, but we started making too much noise for the shopping center <laughs> and we got kicked out. And, uh, and I was really nervous about that, but it turned out to be a huge break for us because we were growing mm-hmm. in this little spot and we were outgrowing it in the first year. And so then we found a, a 6,000 square foot spot okay. and it was way too big for me. Mm-hmm. But um, I got a good deal on it. There was a wall dividing it. So I said, we'll take the first half and we, we had to rent the whole space out and we could only afford flooring for half of it anyway. So we, <laughs> we went there and uh, we spent about seven years there slowly knocking down walls, knocking out offices, mm-hmm. using the full capacity of 6,500 square feet of that spot. And we were there seven years wow. just offering group training personal training and that was it like and we had conditioning classes kettlebell classes mobility classes all that stuff um and then barbell that we went to our barbell our lifting team and all that other stuff out of there and it was just a training facility it was six thousand square feet we built our whole business out of that to the point we were literally busting out of the seams there Mm -hmm. after about seven years wow yeah, that's a, a jump from a thousand square feet to six is that's a monster jump. Right yeah, there. I mean, I couldn't even afford it when I did it. That was a crazy thing. Every time I made a jump, I couldn't afford to do it. And it was really scary. I actually ended up, I'll never forget, I ended up in urgent care on an EKG about three months into it because I was like, what did I get myself into? I wasn't sleeping. I was like freaked out. I was going to go bankrupt. Like, what did you do? Like, you know. Okay. But things turned out, you know, I was just like freaked out. You know, it was a big jump, but. We just kept growing the business and things worked out. So do you, in retrospect, do you look back at that now of, do you see that as almost a, a thing that was such a life lesson to kind of jump into that situation? Cause it's kind of like, you have to just, all right, now I'm in it. I got to figure it out and work it with my team and just kind of roll with the punches as things go. I think so. I think that's been the, the key to my business uh, with everything from that jump to other jumps I've taken to the jump we took from that location to this huge location that we're in from COVID shutting down and making the shifts that we did to stay open. It's like kind of been, you know, people, you know, ask me, how do you make those decisions? And a lot of times it was out of necessity. It was out of my back was up against the wall and I had to make a decision. I had to follow my gut. And sometimes you just you roll with it, you know, you do your best to make the right decision, but my gut felt it and you just, you just roll with it. And I, you know, it's easy to get frozen, you know, with fear and what to do and really play out every worst case scenario. Uh, but I think that, you know, you just ha- I had to just go at the time with this feels right. And really these are the options we have. So go one way or the other, but don't stand still, you know? Yeah. So yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> well, you know, and, it's amazing what you can do when just necessity is there, you know, and it's actually how I really, uh, you know, learned more about Tucson strength and about your name is I was having a call with, with Brett, Brett's been my coach for a long time and right around the middle of COVID we shut down and, you know, me and my former team, we had a studio and we were just about to expand and everything too. We didn't know what this whole thing was about, and we've realized, okay, something might happen where we need to shut down. So we built 
our whole class system that we were doing and put it online over a weekend. Like, right. okay, like, and we said, like, if all people have is like one tool, one kettlebell at home, how can they still get what they need to do going from there? So we made some adjustments to our classes and we just went in and got it done. And we had people coming, oh my gosh, how did you do this and stuff? It's like, well, we, we had to, we had, we had no, we had no other way of really keeping our business and keeping our, our gym membership going. And right. Brett said, he's like, wow, you guys are doing great. Like the other one I've seen is Danny out there in Tucson who built his entire gym and moved it outside right. to keep things going at that time. And that's when I saw some of the time, I think you were in the news for a couple things of kind of keeping things going and right. stuff like that. So, so what was that process like? I mean, taking back to like, did you, was it a team meeting you got to? And it's like, Hey guys, we need to move everything outside. Like what kind of happened during that? Well, in Tucson, everyone in the nation had different things happen at their, their businesses. We got shut down hardcore March 17th, I think of 2020. And it was like, we got our butts kicked. Mm-hmm. It was doors closed, members out. And I just taken on this huge location. It was pretty, pretty scary. And we did, you know, we didn't know what to do. So we met up the next day at the gym and we just started offering like follow along videos on Facebook. So we did conditioning classes, body weight, and every day we did three classes a day, morning, midday, and evening. And my trainers all stuck on board with us Uh, and they had all taken a class. I was paying them to teach classes. I made a commitment to pay them for the first month anyway, regardless, this is before we had anything with PPP and I said, I'll pay out of my savings. We're going to keep you guys paid for at least the first two to four weeks and figure stuff out after that. And so they would come in and we do classes in the gym and eventually they did some from home and we just stream it live on, on Facebook. And then we also did some, uh, I wrote like a really quick kettlebell 30 day, you know, improve your swing test or snatch test. And I made a PDF and sent out to all of our members and had a forum, which I was coaching people through. And we just did a lot of that. It was really not, you know, optimal at all. It was like thrown together. Yeah. But we had people following us on social media. We actually had a local car dealership reach out to us. He said, hang a banner in the background. And they paid me 500 bucks a month to put their banner in the background. Okay, of there you go. <laughs> 500 bucks is 500 bucks. Well, exactly. <laughs> Whatever could keep things rolling at the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we had a following with that. It was really dark time. I'll be honest. I got very, I mean, depressed, extremely like scared. You know, we had a $15,000 a month rent Mm -hmm. that we had to pay. That was just, you know, landlords were deferring it still over my head. So it was, it was a dark time for us. And we made through every week. We're waiting for the governor to play God and let us open again. And so we were closed for about seven weeks. Mm -hmm. And then they said, gyms can reopen. Boom. So the second he said gyms could reopen, I called my team and we were in here like organizing the gym up to what we thought social distancing should have been. There were no really specific guidelines. They weren't forcing masks at all. So, you know, we were like, all right. So we rearranged a gym during the downtime. When he said gyms can open tomorrow, I got on the phone, texted my team and everyone was at the gym and members were at the gym within a half an hour. And we were just mopping, cleaning, organizing and we reopened the next day and it was huge because all the other gyms in town, their staff was on unemployment laid off and my team was ready to rock. So wow. we opened up the next morning and we got crushed. I mean, all the people were joining. I mean, it was like Christmas morning. We had sold more in memberships and it was out of control busy in the gym. And uh, we did that. 
And it was a great six, seven weeks. And then the governor got on the radio or television and said, gyms have to close tomorrow after six, seven weeks of being open. So it was really disheartening. It was, it was hard. Um, so when I read the mandate, it said indoor gyms have to close. And when he said indoor gyms had to close, I, I backtrack for a second. I actually, about three weeks before, I had a feeling I saw the numbers go up. I had a feeling we were going to get closed again. Mm-hmm. I called our landlord. We had a lot behind our gym. I said, can I use that lot? Yes. I called a fencing company to secure it. I said, if I call you guys, they were ready to rock. I called tent companies. So what happened was when they closed us within 48 hours, we had security fencing all around our big back parking lot. The tent company was out constructing these huge circus tents and we rented them for thousands of dollars a month and we just started pushing equipment outside and we just stayed open and people, other gyms were hating on us in town and they're like, you should ask for permission. And I said, I'm not, it said indoor gyms. We're completely outside. Yeah. So we stayed open outside. It was 105 degrees in Tucson, Arizona. Whew. We had yeah. some fans and some coolers, but we were packed. We were the only gym that was legally open. Some stayed open. Yeah. The only gym that was legally open uh, during that time. And uh, we had all, we had like seven squat racks outside, wow. kettlebells. We had it all out there, yeah. swamp cooling fans. And we just, we rocked. My, my team was amazing. They stuck, stuck by our side, working, getting here at five in the morning to mm-hmm. open up and set up and leave at eight, nine o'clock at night, breaking it down, you know? So um, wow. we, did that for, we did that for two months. Uh, wow. But, have you yeah. kept that out? Have you kept the outside going now that things opened up a little bit more? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So the one thing I'll say is, and it was really crazy. We had sold so many memberships during that time because we were the only gym open that we actually finished 2020 equal to 2019. Like we didn't, we, we finished the same as we did yeah. because we, we made up on, on everything with that mm-hmm. time we stayed open, which was crazy. Um, yeah. So um, what was the question? I'm sorry. You asked. Oh, about you, are you still using the lot outside? Yeah. Now that you're back inside? Yeah. So my landlord, I talked to them and they said, you can keep it. And I'm like, what's well, 15,000 square feet a lot? 12, maybe 13,000 yeah. square feet a lot. So they just keep it. So we kept one version. I, I bought a tent. It was very expensive. And it was, it was okay. We kept it for a good few months. And then I invested um, all in and bought a 2,500 square foot pavilion uh, tent. Like it's a semi-permanent tent structure that's permitted. And it's 17 feet tall. It looks like a big top. Wow. And we have it out there. It has turf. It has squat racks, rigs, dumbbells. You get some circus dumbbells out there if you got that big dogman <laughs> <laughs> equipment out there. Yeah, so we have the whole deal. I mean, it's twenty five hundred square feet. Uh, it's awesome, and so and we have another tent out there too. So we have about four thousand square feet of tented space outside with a fully functioning gym. I mean, turf and sleds and you name it, it's out there. So yeah, uh, yeah we kept it. I, I just built that this summer mm-hmm. uh, because I felt like it was just a great addition to the gym. Wow. Yeah, why, why were Pete, why were other gyms like reaching out and kind of like butthurt on that? Was it just that like they didn't think that you could do that or is it? Well, more- I guess, I mean, I don't know if some were taking the stance. I mean, it was a lot of work and I, yeah. had to, I, I you know, and I think some people, it was daunting. It was a daunting task. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was nothing easy about it. And if it was, you had to have a team behind you. A lot of them don't have the employee yeah. base that I've built up. 
that have been as loyal. And my team was there for me the whole time. Um, and they, they really came in. I think that there was a part of that that was like, they couldn't do it. Some of them didn't, you know, maybe have the space to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And we did. Uh, and I think some, you know, there may be a few of them felt it was irresponsible because of the, the virus that it was yeah. wrong to open. But for me, it was, uh, unless you're going to come and pay my bills for me and, yeah. you know, and, and honestly, my people showed up, they wanted to be here. So I was going to say, you're probably doing such a huge service for so many people of getting out because all you heard for so long on the news, I mean, and still to this day is so much negative things of going on and places shutting down where, you know, a story like this of out of necessity, okay, like, let's get outside. We'll figure this out in the hundred degree heat and we'll get some coolers. And it's like, and then you realized how much of a demand and how much that people wanted to to go and get healthy and have a space that was looking proactive to do this. Absolutely. You know, and here's the thing. We had some people say, well, you're lucky you have, we don't have the ability to build a gym behind our gym, but I'll tell you what, if my landlord, I was looking to the point where I, if my landlord said no, I was looking at blank lots around the city Mm -hmm. in empty spaces, even residential. And I was pricing out generators. I was, you know, looking at renting a lot, a vacant lot and putting the tents up on these lots. And I was ready to just start setting up anywhere I could with generators. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was like, I am going to do this regardless if I have the ability to. So here I'm going to open up a gym outside in a lot with generators, tents. We're going to truck the equipment over. And we're going to open up outside. Like it was, there was no, there was no holding me back at that point. I was going to find a way to stay open. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't going to, you know, be shut down again. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like too, like it wasn't just throwing out a, it wasn't just like you threw up a tarp and threw a couple pieces of equipment out there. Like you set up an entire like, like luxury type gym, like you just had inside and really made it like the same type of landscape outside. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we had the tents in the parking lot was a little uneven in places here and there, but we had commercial tents, um, permitted by the fire marshal, you know, um, you know, because they were that big and if they blew over, something would happen, you know, we had a bunch of like, you know. So whatever we could do, we, we just had to get it done. Mm-hmm. And uh, my team was behind me. And, and, and like, cause I couldn't have done this stuff without my, my team of trainers, and my staff that sat out there all day for 12 hour days, just getting their butts kicked or maybe 15 yeah. hour days, getting out, their butts kicked out there. You know, there's so many lessons that, you know, you can take away from your story, Danny, you know, one comes to mind, one of my members of the studio, she owns a restaurant here in Saratoga Springs and restaurants got killed from all this right. time. And same type of thing. They built an outside deck in, I think, four days. And it was like a straight up, like beautiful, like outdoor patio. And they did in four days. And they asked me, like, how did you get this done in four days? She's like, because we could serve food outside. That's what they said. And we needed to. <laughs> so it is. I mean, it's just, I think there's such a power of the human spirit element of this, of like, if you, you know, like, you know, you have a team behind you and you look out, like you said, you saw like the numbers that started to go up again, this could possibly happen again. I think that's such a good lesson that so many people can take is like, look, like nothing is certain. Like if things are going well, it doesn't mean they're going to keep going well just because things close down. Like it might happen again. So being, seeing what defenses might be popping up to throw a blitz at you again, all of a sudden you stay a little bit ahead of it and turns out that it, I mean, not only was good for your business, but really allowed the people in your area to stay on their health and training programs and keep things moving. 
Yeah, the night we closed the second time, I looked on the back at the end of my turf, and I'll never forget it. One of my long-term members uh, that was with me, uh, he was in the corner of the turf with his head down like this, and he was crying. I mean, he was just distraught because he doesn't have, you know, a lot of these people, this is their place to come. Some people don't have families to go home to. This is this is their family here. They, they were literally isolated during COVID, and uh, this was their place to come after work, and they, they don't go home and they don't go to the bar and drink. They come to the gym and they hang out here for three, four hours at night. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I, it broke my heart and that really motivated me. I, I said, I have to find a solution. And selfishly, I was the same way. I would never been more depressed when I was sitting at home, you know, for six, seven weeks the first time. So I, I can't go through that emotional trauma mm-hmm. and stuck at home again. And so there was a lot, lot on the line when we decided to open up and just hustle to stay open. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I, I'll never close again. You know, I'll never go through that again, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, it is. It's, I mean, there's those, I mean, there's lessons in anything. Like so many people had such tough times of going in here, but you know, if you look at the opportunities and find those lots, like you said, if that, if they said no, and you weren't allowed to use the lot, you figure it out in another way. And And I think that's just something, especially even like in the strength world of just using that, it's like, there's always a way to find what you need, you know, to do, you know, whether it's, you know, the barbell training, whether it's kettlebell training, like we had the same thing. It's like, we had to shut down a studio that was a thousand square feet, but we just signed a brand new lease a week before we had to close down to triple the space. We were going into a whole new spot looking at new racks. We are going to put a barbell spot up there because all we were doing was kettlebell classes before. And then sure enough, okay, like, what are you going to do? And, you know, we thought it might be a couple months, but turned out to be almost nine here in New York that we couldn't go in at all doing Zoom classes. And it, it worked out for some, but you find, you find other ways to do it. So I think that's just where anything, like if you're, if you're down and you're out, like there are ways to, there are solutions, there are things to do. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves and get to work on it, but there's a way to, there's a way to get through it. Absolutely. You know, and and we were lucky in a way that, you know, we got restricted down the first time. The second time we found the loophole and went for it in other jurisdictions, they didn't have it. You know, I've, I've seen other videos and stories of people that, did go outside and got arrested for going outside. Right. So Mm -hmm. that wasn't our story and it worked out well for us, you know, but I know other gym owners tried to do what we did in other, uh, other locations around the country and didn't have the greatest outcome with it, you know, Mm -hmm. but, uh, that's a whole nother topic, but I won't get (laughs) it. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think that's just the, the biggest thing is, you know, uh, figuring out, figuring, I know a lot of trainers that had small gyms that, just went online and now they're online making more money online coaching people than they ever did with their gym. You know, they, they shifted and they love working from remotely and it's worked out beautifully for them, but they've been able to transition really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think those who pivoted during COVID, whether you were at the gym or a restaurant or whatever retail, um, if you decide to make those decisions and pivoted, you know, they're doing really well right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think it's, I mean, so many, so many fitness centers, so many people have kind of had to transition to that online component of it. And I mean, I think that's going to be staying for a while, but at the same time, like facilities need to be open as well. You need that connection from there. I think it's really a combination of both is going to be what is going to be the best for the majority 
of people going in. But it sounds, I mean, it sounds like really though, like everything that you were able to do is because you've had a kick-ass team behind you the whole time of the way with all your coaches and trainers too. Yeah, absolutely. They're phenomenal. They've been with me, you know, I have a couple newer trainers with me right now, but most of my staff have been with me for five to 10 years, you know, so they've been with me some since I've opened and some since 2015, you know, they've all been with me. So yeah, I have a great team. We're like family. And I think that's a big part of it. We do our best to take care of them and, you know, and, and they've just been awesome. That's awesome. That's great. What's the, I mean, what's the coaches usually doing? Is it mostly kettlebell training that you do in Tucson straight? Is it mostly barbell or is it? It's a little bit of everything. So kettlebells, we used to be just mostly primarily kettlebell gym. Now we were the kettlebell gym in town. Now kettlebells aren't as, I mean, we still have kettlebell classes and people come to us for kettlebell classes and some kettlebell instruction. Our biggest thing right now over the last many years, the motivation to open up this big giant place has been the barbell work. Mm-hmm. Uh, because part of my business is Tucson Strength, and then I rolled out another kind of part of Tucson Strength years ago. It's called Tucson Barbell Club. I saw that. Olympic lifting and powerlifting. We don't do Olympic lifting anymore, but we have a powerlifting team. I'm actually a meet director for USPA Powerlifting, and uh, I'm a referee for USPA Powerlifting. We have a whole barbell club. So one of the motivations of opening up a, a bigger gym was before we were just a training facility. So it was group training or personal training. If you wanted to use our awesome equipment, you'd have to be involved in one of those programs. Mm-hmm. And so if people wanted to come in and use it, we'd always say, no, unless we're doing group training. And I started seeing more and more people calling us, asking us for, can I come in? I just quit my CrossFit gym, but I really like to use your, your barbells. I'm like, Sorry, no. And so we went and opened up this 12,000 plus square foot spot mm-hmm. Because what we did is we incorporated the group training, personal training, and then gym. So we're a gym membership now. Mm-hmm. So we have open gym memberships. And we have probably 7,000 square feet, 8,000 square feet of just barbell platforms, squat racks, competition, mm-hmm. ER racks, kilo plates, all the best powerlifting bars. And that's how we've made our, our biggest niche right now is for the, the strength athlete. That's awesome. So, so we do a lot of structured coaching with powerlifting and getting people ready for their first meet. A lot of beginners who want to just lift the bar on their back or deadlift. And then we still have the general population that wants kettlebells and conditioning. But our biggest draw is our strength and conditioning work and our powerlifting programming. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a big part. Our gym is like a powerlifting's mecca. <laughs> well, I love that you're showing that it's possible to do because I've seen a lot of people who have said that the the bigger facilities, open gym type memberships are on their way out. Where it's maybe in the commercial setting with some, I can understand that. You know, it's like you're not Planet Fitness by any means. You have a lot of instruction there and everything that you're doing. But I I always thought that that was such a a big thing and a big help for people because not everybody needs to be in a class setting or in an instructional setting all the time. And what I found specifically around this, um, this time over the last two years, this be interesting to hear your thoughts on this, Danny is saw so many people who are coming in for classes. And I had a lot of friends who are still doing a lot of one-on-one personal training and people all of a sudden they couldn't go to the gym anymore and they just started to fall off fast because they realized like they were coming, they were always, they were using the facility as a place to come in and they were just always getting instructed of what to do. But all of a sudden there was no more instruction, whether, or they, maybe they could do a zoom class, but it was not that one-on-one anymore. And I realized like, holy shit, like we're enabling a lot of people by coming in here. Like we're teaching them when they're in front of us, 
right. but they have no idea what to do after, like outside, actually take care of their own health. Right. So I think having that combination of two, I think, is so vital to yeah, give some instruction as needed, but also people need to be able to come into a gym and be able to manage and maneuver themselves. Right. Absolutely. I think that's with anything, though. You know, when it comes to like nutrition planning, you tell people what to eat, and you they can do it for a long period of time. And then the second they fire their coach or they can't afford their coach anymore, don't do it. They still know what to eat, but if they don't have the accountability, they're not going to do it with what we're doing here. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a, a big part of it. And we always encourage our people doing personal training to get a gym membership here so they can come in and we write them a program to do on their off time. And I think that's a big thing as a business owner though, you know, for all the business owners listening out there, that we saw the huge divide because we'd have people who would be in our group training for two years, three years. And eventually they're like, I want to move on. Like there's only so many kettlebell complexes they want to do or only so good. They want to get my kettlebells. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I love kettlebells, but I don't do them as much. as I used to, I still incorporate them, but you know, when you're, you have a kettlebell centric view, there's some people who are going to want to swing squat and get up for the rest of their life. And then after a while, they're like, how many complexes can I do? Or, do I really want to go up and snatch that amount of belt? Where else, what else can I do? And even when we were smaller, we would take, we had barbells. So they got bored of kettlebells, they can go to barbell. And they get bored of barbell, they do mobility, they, you know, conditioning classes and rowing classes. And we've been able to keep them in our life cycle of our group training. Mm -hmm. But even in that point, some people are like, well, my job changed. I can't make classes anymore. Right. You know, or um, I just really want to do my own thing. And we lose them. They, they, they drop from our group training and go join a big box gym. And mm -hmm. now a lot of the big box gyms have bars and they have platforms and they have turf and they have kettlebells so they could go spend well, here they have $10 a month huge super gyms you know mm. and you know I was losing out on that and so I realized that with all the need of it that I was going to keep them in our life cycle so we have people who've been with us and they say listen I want to do my own thing so instead of losing all their revenue and I'm going joining a big box gym right they downgrade their membership and we mm -hmm. keep them in our life cycle absolutely right and then they buy programming from us and do other things with us. But it was huge. I just needed the space to do it. You know, mm -hmm. and it's to get it was easier for me to get fifteen thousand square feet or twelve thousand square feet of space in Tucson than it maybe somewhere else. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, so keeping them in our life cycle was really a huge part of going to the open gym, the open yeah. gym model. Yeah. So a lot of people who take their training seriously who they don't want to be in a class anymore. They want to do their own thing. Right. Well, and I think it's having that combination of sometimes it's fun to go into a class and to just follow the instructions and crush it out. But other times you want to just go in and just kind of get your workout done, kind of be in your own zone, focus on specific things and just kind of do that too. And I saw that a lot, you know, personally, I, you know, I was in a studio for a long time. And then when we shut down, I started training at home and it was like, okay, like now most of my training is done from home. You know, right. from it. once in a while, it's fun to get together with a bunch of people and we crush it out. Somebody lead this so I don't have to think about it. Um, but it is, I think, you know, what this whole area, what this whole last couple of years really in strength has taught me is that so many people are going in and they're following programs with their coaches and their trainers, but they're not learning how to really utilize this themselves. And I think that's such a vital thing now to know is how can you maneuver around your own program, you right. know, with your own ideas too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's a huge part of it. I, I just, you know, people say the big bot or the, the open gym model is done. And I, I completely disagree with that. I think there's a bigger need now than ever, you know, because people have online coaches, you yeah. know, they, they, they can, they need the tools to get it done and they don't want to invest $10,000 in nice equipment or buy, you know what I mean? They, mm -hmm. you know, so 
you know, we, we give them a plat, we give them the area and the place to play and, and do it with the best equipment around and great culture and community. To do that, yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, so I, I shied away from a lot of the group stuff. We still do our groups and they're a big part of what <laughs> we do, but, um, I feel that the open gym model is, you know, our biggest profit center and it's, it's one of our most dynamic parts of our business. And I would never go back, you know, to, to doing without it. I agree. I think it's great. And I think you meet people where you're at with that. You know, it's like maybe they don't need instruction right away, but they get into it afterwards, right. you know, all that type of work. So with the barbell club that you have, which I'm fascinated by this, I love uh, all the content that you put out on it. So is it a class program that you're doing with the barbell club? So barbell club is really like, and we have a couple of classes, so you know, like back when CrossFit came, they have the wad, the workout on the board, workout of the day, whatever that is. And then our kettlebell classes are very similar, right? All right, guys, here's the workout, warming up, here's your workout. And the instructors are talking people through it and kind of start as a class and you finish as a class. And barbell club's a little different. It's more of a strength coaching environment. So we have people that come in and everyone's on their own program, but you know, we, we, have different programs, we have different people on, and we block the schedule for an hour and a half in our barbell club area, and it's uh, pretty much, you know, you might be squatting, I might be deadlifting, someone else is bench pressing, we're all in our own program, doing assistance exercises, the coach is there walking through the middle of the floor, and people are getting it done, we're there spotting them, coaching them, walking around, assisting the lifters, and some come rolling in at 5, some come rolling in at 5.30, some come rolling in at 5.45, and we're there and we have pretty much a very open coaching. So it's a very self-paced class where everyone has their program that they follow and we tweak their programs and everyone's doing something a little different, mm -hmm. but they have the coaching and the programming available to them during that, that window of time. Mm -hmm. And so it's, and we have other classes like that now as well, where it's not like, Hey guys, we're going to do this. Like, here's your workout. Everyone has their, their thing. And you know, the, the coach is there monitoring and, and, mm -hmm. and working with the lifters. I love that. I love that model. It, it reminds me of kind of how Mike Souza runs his program out in California. Do you know, do you Mike Mike's program? I know Mike very well. You know Mike very well, right? He's got such an interesting model that he does for training because he does individualized coaching, but he has kind of open block times of when you can come in to do your program. So he's kind of coaching the one-on-one, -on -one, but it's not a class setting because he's like, whenever you get there, you run through your program. This is your warm-up time and everything, which I think is such an interesting way of getting into pro because and i say this i think to a lot of coaches is that especially the model it seems like in the world of kettlebell work is like you open up a small studio you do group classes you maybe do one-on-one -on -one, and that's the niche that you stay in when it's like guys like you i'm seeing who are doing a lot of different things you can come into a group class but you know you can get an open coat you can get an open gym area you can get more of the barbell club you got a lot of things going on at one time you don't need to just do one thing you can have a lot of different centers right. working all in one area and it's it's so great to see people are still doing that because i think so many people have niched down so much where it's still good to have a bunch of different things going on and it allows people to kind of have some different experiences maybe somebody in group classes have never done a barbell club before maybe it really inspires them maybe they want to jump into that absolutely yeah they get bored with kettlebells for a little bit and they see these other ladies deadlifting 300 pounds and like can i do that i'm like come on over and then we, we teach them how to do it right and they end up on the powerlifting platform competing you know it's just it's just one of those things like where you keep them in your life cycle and i think that's been our biggest key to success we you know there's a point where it was just kettlebell classes mm -hmm. uh, where we had and then we started some mobility classes and then we started just some strict conditioning classes no pressing grinding 
just, you know, ropes and swings and sleds and stuff like that, just conditioning work. And then, you know, we had mobility and then, you know, then rowing. We, so we had all these little different niches that people could, you know, use even if they're doing kettlebells or barbells to supplement their main form of training. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a huge part of our group training. It wasn't just so like you get the same thing every time you're in there. You have other options to, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So are you still doing coaching at all or are you kind of now behind the scenes managing everything? Yeah, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much retired from coaching uh, in the most part. I, I still have some, you know, I'm still active with my barbell club, mm-hmm. uh, but I have two coaches now that are pretty much running my barbell club for me. They're, One's a world record holder. She's amazing. The other guy, he's, you know, competed at the national level. He's been with me since he's 11 years old. And now he's like 23 years old and been with me the whole time. He's been a coach for me for almost five years uh, since he's 18 years old. And so they, they do a lot of that. I still get involved with the programming and kind of just, I, I'll hang out at Barbell Club Night and just kind of oversee things and talk with lifters. I have a couple one-on-one clients that I've had for years and yep. years. A couple of them. I, I train. I'm on the floor maybe five hours a week right now, nice. six hours a week. Yeah. Um, Do you think so that I, keeps your your saw sharpened, just keeping those few hours? A little bit. A little bit. You know, I'm at the point now where, you know, I don't – watch what I say here because things can always change. But I, I really – I don't really care to sharpen, sharpen my sword as much on the training aspects of things anymore – and really, you know, I've been doing it 20 years and I still love it. But right now I have a business that is, you know, grown so much that it just takes so much attention. And when I'm on the floor, it distracts me from growing my business now. And, and I, I found that I love business every bit as much as I loved training people. Yeah. And I, it just, I, I really transitioned to focus on, on mentoring my staff and finding my energy and working with them. Um, growing the business from a marketing standpoint, engaging people in the community um, and all those other things. I, I have more fun just hanging out on the floor, you know, being the mayor of the gym and walking around at night, you know? Absolutely. Um, but right now um, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not really doing much training or, or really focusing as much on that piece as much right now, as much as I'm just growing this beast of a business. You know, when we first started, you know, my expenses were a couple thousand a month and now my expenses are like, 60,000 a month. So yeah. <laughs> it's a different ball game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, it's an amazing story to, to hear Danny of just you going from, as you said, like, you know, folding towels you know, years and years ago to now, you know, running this great operation that you kept just building up and up and up. And it seems like you're really a lot of a product of a lot of trial and error of just kind of throwing stuff out there and seeing what works, um, you know, trusting your gut, you know, from there. And I think, you know, everybody always kind of is looking for the secret, you know, and like that secret sauce of how to keep successful and stuff. When in reality, it's kind of like looking at the situation and knowing what you need to do and then just going after it, you know, and make and make the make the big jump. You know, it's like, I mean, obviously, I'm sure like the first day of moving everything out into that lot outside was pretty nerve wracking <laughs> of getting right. it. But it's like, well, let's give this a shot. And let's just see how it is. And it's kind of like stepping up to the platform with a weight that you've never lifted before. Like, all right, let me give it my best effort and see what go, we'll see what happens. Well, it's all about timing and prepping, right? And like we were talking before, when I'm doing these big jumps, it's exciting. It's fun. Yeah, there's some scary parts of it. But when I decide to make that first jump, it, it's if I'm not having a good time, I made the wrong decision. 
mm-hmm. right? Now, granted, you get into it a little bit and you're like, oh man, this is hard. And like, you have to really work through stuff. But that initial phase of taking those jumps is exciting and it's fun. And if it's not, it's probably not going to work out right, right? Mm-hmm. So even when we're moving outside, mm-hmm. I was like, I was in such a go in the creativity and moving stuff outside and making this work in the, in the spur of the moment. And that's how it's been every time we've expanded our, our gym and figuring things out. It's like a big fun puzzle you want to solve. And that's, you know, that's the big thing. It's like, I'm always like interested and excited about taking on these huge tasks. But again, it's also in in business, you know, I'm running scenarios, right? And there's, there's the worst case scenario and then there's the best case scenario. Uh, But realistically, every time I've grown the business, it's like, okay, well, yeah, there's, I'm not there yet, but what do we need to do to get there? And if, you know, I'm like, okay, we need to grow by 30 members or we need to grow by a hundred members. It's like, is this doable? And yeah, I usually get to the point where like, if I can't grow by that, then I have no business being in business. You know what I mean? It's like, if you can't make these, these jumps, if it was a huge jump, then I probably, you know, it, you know, it's all about was like danger and risk, right? It's like, if I fall off, am I going to die or am I just going to get injured? I'm willing right. to get injured, right? So, right. <laughs> so that, that's a, a big piece of when I make these decisions. Like if you're, if you're uh, tight roping a one inch rope and it's a foot off the ground, your risk of falling is the same, whether it's one feet or 30 feet off the ground, the danger is very different. And so I really look at the danger aspect of, of what I'm doing. Like, yeah, I can risk and fall and I might break some ankles and it's going to take me some healing time, but I know I can recover from it and move on. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's how I, I when I'm going through this decision-making process, yeah. how, how I view a lot of it. That's a great analogy of the, of the tightrope there. It's like, it's, you know, it's just how far it is off the ground. It's like, it's the same risk of falling, you know, from there, you know, um, last time I spoke with Dave Whitley, uh, on the last podcast, he brought up one of my favorite analogies of the suffering versus sacrificing. And it's like so many times we think that to get all the things that we need to, especially going into business is you need to suffer. It's like, no, it's like you need to sacrifice time, but you should, but you can still have fun. You can still be excited about doing it. And if you're not, then, you know, you really want to step back and, you know, maybe go in a different direction or so. But, you know, like you said, still having the enthusiasm and the excitement of saying like, oh, wow, this is really exciting. It's hard work. You're sacrificing, but you don't have to suffer. You know, it doesn't have to be this, you know, grind of, you know, you putting your head down and getting through. And I think that's, I think that's just a good lesson in, in every aspect, you know, whether it's business or whether it's your family time, whether it's your health and you know, health and fitness that you're doing, it's like, yeah, sacrifice the right time, but you shouldn't be having to suffer for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be suffering involved with anything, but that's not the goal. That's not what you're supposed to do. You know what I mean? There's, there's going to be times of grind and times of, of easing up. I think the biggest thing is like when there's times of easing up with a lot of us business owners, it's really actually just, Act, being able to enjoy the time of being let up because we get stuck in the cycle of go, go, go. And if you're not going, you find yourself chasing your tail. It's almost like a form of like hypomania. You know, like you go and when, when this, you know, when you don't need to push, it's hard not to push. And, and that's one thing I've been learning a lot is like, okay, things are okay right now. Take some deep breaths, mm-hmm. you know, wind down, you know, don't grind yourself into the ground. And, and that, that's been the next phase of, of my development as a business owner is trying to be okay when, when I'm not, doing something really big, you know, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. No, that's great. So any, do you have any uh, lifts or meets coming up soon at the, at the facility? Yeah. So, well, we just held a big meet here a couple of weeks ago. We have another one, big, uh, 
USPA uh, meet in uh, February at our gym here. Mm-hmm. I'll be, you know, we have some other big ones in Arizona. I'll be at as a referee and helping run the meets in November. Uh, so yeah, February, we have a big meet coming up here. And so we still got a little bit of time and, uh, to do all that stuff. But yeah, so we run about three big meets a year here in Tucson. And, great. and uh, it's, it's been good. I'm, I, I take another meet to Yuma as well in April. So I'll be, be a busy boy here running the gym and then running meets. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's great. Do you have any strong first events that are coming up that you're working with? I, I don't. I, I was been considering trying to see if we could get a cert over here eventually again because we have a bigger facility so we'll see how that can how that can roll because i know we have some trainers here that want to get certified so um, yeah but no no strong first events this year uh or not but that that could change here soon hopefully awesome good well, Danny, man, this has been great. Um, you know, appreciate your time. And I love the story of everything that you've done, especially over these last, you know, couple of years of, you know, keeping things rolling with your business. And I think it's just a super inspiring story for, you know, for everybody to know that there's ways to, to make this work and to make this happen. And you're just a, you know, a living, breathing being of it. So appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you for asking me. I appreciate it. it good Absolutely. Yeah. If, uh, if anybody wants to check out Tucson Strength or any of your work, what's the best place for them to Go check it out. Uh, TucsonStrength.com. Uh, and then we're on Instagram and Facebook. We have a lot of content on Instagram, especially uh, Tucson Strength is our handle on Instagram. So those are the best places. We have a ton of videos on YouTube as well, just Tucson Strength. So yeah, we're pretty pretty out there on the social media platforms. But all of our instructional videos and everything that I do out there is on, you can kind of see the whole story and timeline of our business on Instagram pretty well. So Awesome, man. Yeah. Good. Hey, man. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great one. Yeah. Listeners, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you came away with great stories and insights that you can use to create more strength and success in your life. Remember now for a time, you can grab a free copy of the One Day Strength Challenge, the playbook that incorporates proven strength aerobics training along with the skill of intuition to help you create, design, and achieve your perfect training plan that fits around your busy schedule. Just go to www.thebreakthroughsecrets.com and grab your free copy today. It's your life. Make it the strongest possible. Catch you guys later.